Father in heaven, we praise you for the wonderful things you do for us. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for loving us. We praise you for caring for us. We praise you for hearing and answering our prayers. And Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit and your power and your presence to be here. Help us, Father, to know how to reach the community where we are. Father, help us to reach those that are longing to know about you. And we thank you that you will guide us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Well, yesterday, I understand that Pastor Finley talked about the five keys to successful evangelism. And so uh, if some of you want to do that training in your church, I might mention that we have uh, a full book uh, called Light Your World for God that uh, takes you through the five keys and then actually trains you in how to set up your church in various ministries, particularly Bible study ministry and particularly prayer ministry, Bible study ministry, visitation ministry, and literature ministry. And don't underestimate the value of literature ministry in your church. But today, we're gonna talk about health ministry. And that's another whole ministry because here at the Health Summit, we want to do that. And so I'm gonna start uh, this morning by sharing with you a story. There was a famous old monastery situated on the side of a cliff. It overlooked the emerald blue waters of the Mediterranean. It was beautiful. And a tourist wanted to visit this monastery, but there was one problem, one problem. That problem was the only way up was in an old wicker basket hoisted up by a rope. That's the only way they could get up there. And as the tourist got into the basket, he only asked one question. He asked a question of the monk. How often do you change the rope? He asked. Oh, said the monk, don't worry. We change it every time it breaks. <laughs> we change it every time it breaks. You, would you feel safe? Would you feel safe? Yes. Well, you know what? The truth of the matter is people have broken health. They have broken health and they want to change it, but often when it's too late. Some of you probably recently even heard or have read the book on Steve Jobs and how he said he wished he had taken care of his health and how he wished he had done some things differently. And so we all feel that way sometimes when it's too late. People have broken health. But how can we help people avoid these killer diseases? These killer diseases are in our country today, but not only in our country, they're in other countries. We were in, uh, um, in Melbourne, Australia. Pastor Finley was gonna be doing a series of evangelistic meetings there. But we knew that Melbourne was very secular. I mean, if you think the United States is secular, try Melbourne, Australia. Melbourne, Australia has been voted as the number one most desirable city in the world to live for the last several years. If you take everything like education, culture, music, arts, uh, history, weather, uh, just everything, Melbourne, Australia is very, very desirable. In fact, 
they have even in their newspaper their sports page sports is such a big thing they call it the religion page and it is amazing and we wondered how could we ever in evangelism reach Melbourne Australia so we decided to do some of the very things that I'm going to be teaching you here today we decided let's go and do some pre-work let's teach people how to do Bible studies and so we took our materials that we've used all around the world because the five keys to successful evangelism work anywhere in the world and we took them to Melbourne Australia and we started training people in literature ministry in prayer ministry in Bible study ministry giving Bible studies in fact we were even to, uh, asked to I was asked to go out and knock on doors to um, do some door knocking to actually act to teach door knocking and I said well look I'm an American and I've not done door knocking in Australia and so the only way that I feel like I can teach is if I do some door knocking can I go and do some door knocking in Australia and see if it works but it's not gonna work here people are too secular well could we try it and we just had a handful of people maybe uh, 10 12 people that were gonna come out because they didn't believe in it and we decided okay after I shared with them what we were gonna do and how we were gonna do it we put people on this side of the street and people on this side of the street we went door to door doing surveys and do you know that in one day in just a short time we weren't even out there that long maybe an hour and a half two hours at the most we got 21 Bible studies it was just amazing and so here we were going to be in Australia for a series of meetings and how are you going to reach the Australians well we started teaching and training in Bible study ministry we started teaching in literature ministry and then health ministry the health ministry is what turned people around because when we started when when even the pastors who were a little skeptical at first and when the pastors began to see some of the community people coming out to the health programs, to health expos, to nutrition classes, to stress management classes, they started saying, maybe this, maybe this thing works. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, that as we opened our meetings, we had smaller venues because they thought this isn't going to work in Australia. So they gave us an auditorium that seats 500 on one side of the city and then Mark was going to take another side of the city and we had another auditorium with 500 and we had another auditorium that sat approximately 700 in the other auditorium and I'm here to tell you that that opening meeting Mark preached the opening session nine times nine times nine times and we started our our main session was going to be at um, 7 15 but we had to have a 515 session so we had a 515 session then we went to a three o'clock session then we went to a one o'clock session and then we said what do we do they didn't know what to do so they said we're gonna do a nine o'clock session now I have to say my faith at that point was a little you know maybe weak as well but do you know what we packed the auditorium at nine o'clock 
and they couldn't close down the 9 o'clock session because we had so many young people coming. So many young people. And it was amazing because we had a wonderful series in Australia. Not only were there, I don't even know how many baptisms. There were just, they've been hundreds since because they've used the DVDs all over. And recently we just got at our evangelism council at the GC that there have been literally thousands baptized because they took them to Papua New Guinea. They took them to some of these other places. And the Lord has just been blessing with that. But you know what opened it up? health ministry, health ministry. So how can we help the people in our community avoid these killer diseases, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure and stroke? Well, there's no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. It's not a magic pill. It's not a pill. It's not even a vitamin pill that's gonna do it. It is what? It's a matter of making good choices and it's, within our hands to help people make those good and right choices. We can be healthy by choice. Now, I'm not uh, unaware of the fact that we have environmental and we have hereditary factors. And there are some things beyond our control. I can't answer why bad things happen to good people. And some people get diseases that I, only in eternity will we understand some of those things. I don't, I can't answer that, but by and large, we can be healthy Amen. by choice. There's no question about it. So do our lifestyle choices really make a difference? By our lifestyle choices, we can contribute. They, they can contribute to premature aging. There's no question about it. We know the studies are in. But the Bible's ancient health principles are universal prescription for wellness. No question about it. Look, studies done on Egyptian mummies confirm the truthfulness of God's words. God's word. There is no question about it. Dr. Rosalie David of Manchester, England, at the University of Manchester, did studies, and she set, found that it's likely that Ramses II of Egypt died of a massive heart attack. And Dr. Claude Ruffet did x-rays on 14,000 mummies and discovered that the same diseases we have today they had in Egypt. Heart disease, cancer, arthritis, obesity, high blood pressure, rheumatism, and sexually transmitted diseases. The same thing. The same things that we face today. Number one killer here in the United States is heart disease. Cancer is number two, and by the way, cancer is soaring so fast that it's possible it's going to reach heart disease. And unfortunately, it is hitting a lot of Seventh-day Adventists. And we're going to share some of the reasons why, or at least tap on the possibilities of why. We don't have all the answers, but there are some possibilities of why this is happening. Testimonies, Volume 1, page 486, says this. The health reform I was shown is a part of the third angel's message and is just as closely connected with it as, our, as the arm and the hand with the human body. So we know, we know that we have a message, my friend. We don't need to be afraid to present this message. And you know what? We can never go wrong when 
we just present what God has told us to do. I, when, pe when I'm in my nutrition classes, I stand behind the scientific authorities. I stand behind the medical authorities. I'm not a physician. I'm not a nurse. I'm not a dietitian. However, my daughter is a physician. My son-in-law is a physician. My son is going through PA school, almost finished, and has uh, a, a master's in exercise science and health promotion. And my daughter is a registered dietitian. Mm. So I, we have the medical field within our family, but I'm not in the medical field. I was an elementary education student, uh, teacher. And so, but, so you don't have to be, quote, a health professional to have health programs. You have to stand behind the authorities. And I have been doing nutrition classes, health classes and nutrition classes since 1969 40 what years now, and I've never had a debate in my class. Because you know why? If you bring them into your home and you present the practical and you present what they want to hear because they come there because they have heart disease, because they have cancer. I had a lady come to me last night and just, you know, just really upset and said, Mrs. Finley, I have to talk to you. Please, can I talk to you? She said, but I have to talk to you alone because there were people around. And she came to me and said, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. What can I do? Well, I don't have the answers. I'm not a physician, but I know that if we follow the principles that we're talking about, cancer isn't going to feed as quickly on carrots and broccoli and on that, those veggies and fruits as it does on fat and sugar because it feeds on fat and sugar. And so we do have some answers, and we have some answers that we can give. But how do you do this? How do you do it? How do you even go back to your churches as pastors and train your church to do health programs? I believe, and in my regular training of uh, Bible study work and health work, I tell the people that if you would do this one thing, I believe it would transform your churches into a church growth church. This one thing. Ministry of Healing, let's read it together, 149. Every church should be a training school for Christian workers. What is that? What's a training school? A training school is just that. You set up your church as a training school. You set up desks, you set up chairs, you set... When, when I was teaching, I had students, so you've got to have some students. I had desks, so you've got to have some tables or desks or something. You have chairs. I had chalkboards. You have a whiteboard. You have screens today. You have PowerPoint today. So you have all of that, and you bring the people in, and on a Monday night, you teach them how to do a cooking school. On a Tuesday night, you teach them how to do a Bible study ministry. On a Wednesday night, you teach them how to do a stress management. So your church is open all the time. Because you see, that's the key. We just came back from China. And when we were in China, just this last uh, um, few months ago, we were in China, and we had pastors meetings there, and we had camp meeting there, and we had several other things there. We met with both our mainland China pastors and people from Hong Kong, which is part of China as well. And we asked them, Tell us, pastors, your churches are growing here so fast. 
One church, the largest church in the Seventh-day Adventist church is in Shenyang, China, with over 6,000 members. And we said, we know you took this church. It's a woman pastor. You took this from one home group, one small home group to 6,000 members. How did you do it? And she said, first of all, Pastor and Mrs. Finley, we go to the church at 4.30 or 5 o'clock and we pray. So we pray. That's the key. But we also work. They work. And so when you have a working church, when you have a committed church, but we also train the people how to work and how to do this. They call them their disciples. And so how do you have a training school? You, and she said, but our, we said, how, how often are your churches open? Because we said, in my country, in many churches, it's the least economical building in the world because it's open once a week on Sabbath morning. But how often? Oh, Pastor Mrs. Finley, we're open at least four, five, six, and even seven days a week. And so you have this training going on, ongoing in your church. What should we be training? Well, here's some of the quote. I'm not going to quote all of it because I want to get to the heart of health ministry. But it's the members should be taught how to give Bible readings. Hopefully one night you're going to teach people how to give Bible studies. And, but then she says, and she goes on, talks about Sabbath school and helping the poor and all of that. But then she says, there should be schools of health. There should be cooking schools and classes in various lines of Christian help work. So we need to have schools of health and cooking schools and teaching people how to do this. So what are some key reasons for conducting regular ongoing health ministries? Let's look at them. What are some reasons that you, sh because it's a lot of time. It's very time consuming. It's a lot of work. I know I'm over here every morning at 8.30, 9 o'clock at the church, working all day long with several other helpers to just get ready for what we have in the evening program. Just to get ready for all those food demonstrations. It's a lot of, but let's look at some key reasons. First of all, health ministry provides a great opportunity for Seventh-day Adventists to impact a world open to the health message. This is an opportunity for us to open to the world the message that we've been given. And we've been given a beautiful message, my friends. In 1863, Ellen White had her first <coughs> a vision on health in Otsego, Michigan. And she saw that God wanted this to go throughout our churches because the health of our own early pioneers was not good. So they needed the health message as well as spreading the health message to others. You see, popularity and effectiveness in wellness programs continues to rise. Let me show, share with you that MetLife recently released their ninth annual study of employee benefit trends. And the survey found that health and wellness programs have become a mainstream staple for many organizations and one that's producing results. So here in these companies, they're doing health programs because, look, what's the answer to some of this, you know, uh, insurance that everybody's talking about? It's really preventive medicine. It's preventive medicine. But what is the populate, what, what programs were at the top of the list in popularity? 
weight management, they said, tobacco cessation, and diabetes prevention. First of all, let me talk about tobacco cessation. We used to be in the 60s and the 70s as a church, the head. My husband had at least four and 500 people out to his stop smoking plans in those early six, in the 60s, late 60s and early 70s. Now what have we done? We've almost, we almost don't even do it. Other organizations are taking it over and doing it. But yet that's one of the things that was at the top of the list in popularity. And the other two have to do with what? It has to do with food, doesn't it? It has to do with eating, weight management, and diabetes. And diabetes is on the rise because of people's diets. Wellness programs have steadily increased over the past few years from 33% of companies offering them in 2008 to 45% offering them in 2010. By 2010, they were up to 45% of these companies offering them. Because you know why? They're going to save money. They're going to save money instead of buying all the insurance plans that everybody's talking about. You have something that's preventive, and they're going to preserve the health of their employees. Therefore, their, uh, their, their budget is going to be uh, going down as a result of that. Growth in larger companies, over 500 employees, has also been increasing from 57% offering programs in 28 to 71% in 210. So my friends, look, if these companies are offering it, and yes, they're doing a good work, but they don't have all the full message. We have such a full message at the church that we can be presenting. And look at the popularity of what's happening in just the news media. 22 million copies of, the, uh, of National Geographic printed worldwide talking about the secrets of living longer and featuring Seventh-day Adventists. The popularity is growing in health. There's an openness to health. New York Times bestseller author Dan Buettner reveals the secrets of longevity and happiness. Backed by research working with National Geographic, National Institutes on Aging, and AARP, they found we, we found parts of the world where people live the longest and the happiest lives. And they found that the average American could live an extra 12 years, did they not already find that in the, some of the Adventist health study? 12 years and be 40% happier by optimizing their lifestyle environment. Because you know what? Some people say, I don't want to live to be, they're talking about, you know, living to 100, you know? They're talking about the, the healthy 100 and living to 100, and they say, I don't want to live to 100, because look at these people in nursing homes and all these people that can't function. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about an active, healthy 100. And so that's what we wanted. And you can, we can preserve their health by what we can. Um, I actually had a, have a clip on this. We won't show it today. But many of you know that Bill Clinton has become a vegan vegetarian. And the reason, and the clip shows from CNN why he has become a vegan vegetarian. Not because of some of the reasons that maybe some Adventists have, you know, taken on some of the health message, but because he had heart disease 
and a, tr a, and a bypass, bypass surgery, and he said, I want to live to see my grandchildren. I want to be able to function, and the only way, after he studied this, the only way to reverse heart disease is by getting onto a plant-based diet. That's the only way to reverse heart disease. Not going to reverse heart disease if you're still eating animal products. There's, it's just not possible. But the world is open to this. The world is open to this message right now that we have. Let's read this together, Medical Ministry 239. It, medical missionary work, is the gospel practice, the compassion of Christ revealed. And of this work, there is a great need, and the world is open to it. The world is open to what we have to say right now. So they're not, they will knock on our door. But the problem is, is that there's nobody on the other side to open the door. That's the problem. There, we need to have our churches open, bringing people in, because the world is open to this. God grant that the importance of medical missionary work shall be understood and that new fields may be entered immediately. There may be, you may have a little church. You may have a large church. I don't know what kind of church. You may be a pastor, you may be a member, you may be a leader of that church. But whatever it is, whether it be large or small, we need to enter that field, that territory. In fact, as a church, we should make that territory that we have a priority. In fact, we are told in the Seventh-day Adventist manual for our church, pastor's manual, that at our board meetings, at every board meeting, we should be discussing how to reach the territory that we have. And then she says once, uh, then the manual says once every quarter, we should be holy, the board meeting should be holy on how we can reach that territory. And yet, how many times do we talk about other things at the board meeting, how to fix the leaky roof or whatever the problems are, what color carpet or, you know, whatever, rather than how to evangelize the territory that we have. And the world is open to it. And so we should capitalize on the opportunity to organize health ministries in every church. Because you know why? This is an opening wedge. Yes, Patty. Yes. Thank you, Patty. I'm telling about you today. So uh, I will tell them who you are because I have, I'm going to be telling about you. And so thank you. Yes, the opportunities are opening. Testimonies, Volume 7, page 59. Every city is to be entered by workers trained to do medical missionary work. And you don't have to be a health professional to do medical missionary work. And medical missionary work will be the work that we will have right up until the end of time. And, and the work, in fact, the only work that we can do at the end of time. So how do we train? What do we train in? How do we do this? Well, sequence health evangelism. Because 
Why do he sequence health evangelism? What is sequence health evangelism? Sequence health evangelism means you're not having a cooking school over here, and then you're going to have maybe, uh, you know, six months later, have a stress management over here, and then five years later, you're going to have evangelism over here. Sequence evangelism means you are planning a sequence, a calendar of events. When we go into any city, we do a calendar. We do a countdown calendar, and we have a, we have a plan. So you may want to start with a health expo. Health expo is a wonderful way to start because you can bring people into the community. Then you may want to do a stop smoking or breathe free um, you know, that's what they call it at the General Conference right now, the Brief 3. Actually, Australia has a wonderful stop smoking plan. So if you want a good stop smoking plan, you can write to the health ministry. Uh, it was Sibylla when I was there, but I don't know who is the health director there now. But uh, that leads very nicely because when they go to the temperance booth and you know that they have a problem with smoking and want to stop, oh, that's you know, uh, just what we are offering here at this church. Here is a brochure to our next stop smoking plan. And you give it to them right there at the health expo. And then what about natural lifestyle cooking? Natural lifestyle cooking, I mean, that's what I'm presenting night after night. Natural lifestyle cooking. If you haven't been to the evening meetings, uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. But natural lifestyle cooking is a way that we can show people all the varieties of things that they can do with a plant-based diet. And then that can lead into stress management. And then that can lead into even to Bible studies and into Daniel and studies that are non-threatening. The book of Daniel just simply says, what can the book of Daniel do for me? That's Pastor Finley's uh, seminar, chapter one. How can God turn my defeat into victory, like he turned Daniel's defeat into victory? How can God guide my life in Daniel too, like he got guided history down through the ages? How can he protect me in Daniel 3, like he protected Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace? It's a wonderful study, and you go from one to the other. Or what about the CDs and the DVDs and all the things on for the evangelistic meetings? And you see how health evangelism goes sequence goes from one to the next to the next to the next otherwise we hold all these health programs and they're wonderful i believe in them but we're not we're not connecting it and getting people into the three angels message and into eternity and that's our goal that's what we want to do someone said to me when i was holding uh teaching these kind of principles and holding health programs they said well Mrs. Finley, you mean to tell me then you have an ulterior motive in your health programs? And I said, absolutely. Jesus did, didn't he? He said to the woman at the well, if you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink of the water I give you, you're never going to thirst. And so I would hold health programs even if they never accepted Jesus because there were many people in Jesus' day at that time that he healed but didn't accept him but at the same time, if we can give them 10 years more of life, wouldn't we want to give them 100 million years or all eternity of life? So yes, we do have an ulterior motive. So sequence, yes. Mrs. 
CDs, I, uh, actually we've been using Pastor Finley's uh, CDs and DVDs on Revelation of Hope, on Discoveries and all of the different various DVDs and things that we have. And it's absolutely amazing because we're getting literally not even scores anymore, but hundreds of baptisms as a result of that. And uh, it's just amazing. And we just, we, we pass them out as, uh, as in, in, we set up a library. We set up a little library of these tapes and we bring them to people and then we collect them and we bring them the next one. And people just recently, we had, well, I can tell you when we were in China, I was in, actually we were in Hong Kong and a pastor came up to me and he had seven people with him. And he said, oh, Mrs. Finley, I just have to introduce you to these seven people. They've just been baptized as a result of the Discoveries series that I bought at Chris at, um, at GC Session. They bought a set of the Pastor Finley's discoveries and he showed them to these people and they've all been baptized. It's just amazing. And so, but we have, sequence evangelism is very important. I think Dave and Levena were an illustration of that and the value of multifaceted program. We were in Chicago and Lavena was coming to our stress management program. Dave was not interested in, in um, anything religious at all. But she kept coming night after night, and she would bring materials home. And we had that little book called Life at Its Best, which is Ministry of Healing that we gave out in our stress management. And she set it down on the table, and Dave started reading it. And when he started reading it, he said, she came home one night and she saw him reading it. And she said, but, but this book has a religious tone. And she, he said, I don't care if it has references to God if it reduces my stress. And he kept reading that book. He then came on to our Daniel seminar, came on to our evangelistic meetings, and both of them were baptized. Amen. And so you see what sequence evangelism does is it puts the whole package together. It puts the whole package together, yes. Well, one of the things that's, of course, very important is to help people whether they accept God or not. So your ulterior motive is to help people, to bless people, to give them longer life, to give them health in your health programs, but you, give, you, throw, you do what we call throw out the bait. You give them an opportunity. And then, so we're not forcing anybody, and if... I don't know how to break the reputation if they feel that in your church or in that community, but I know that we find that many people um, are open, are open to spiritual things because they have come to some secular things. They have come to a stress. They have come to a cooking school, and they have come to a stop smoking plan. 
And so I just think that I don't think, I'm not sure that the whole community will not come because some people accept God and religion at the end of the day. So I guess we would just have to get our prayer uh, groups going and pray that the Lord would, you know, bless that. But I have found that just quite the opposite in our evangelism, actually. I have found that it has broken down prejudice. And I'll share some of that with you because I have some awesome experiences. But these are some of the DVDs, uh, the, the things that we use, Revelation of Hope and now Discoveries, Mark's new series. Yes. Especially if we do a health program, maybe a front we should let them know that health includes, as the uh, World Health Organization says, physical, mental, and spiritual and social well-being. We do. I'm going to cover that. No, no, I'm saying when we're doing our health presentation up front so that people may, people can replicate where they can catch them, let them know that the health that we're going to present, it includes all aspects of that. Yes, I, I agree with that. In fact, we're going to share that, how that it, we can just be open even in our hope, in our health programs. So sequence evangelism, my friends, really works. It really does. We've seen it through the years. Uh, we need, you see, there's what we call the narrow few principle. We need to have be broad in our churches and have a lot of things going because what appeals to one person may not appeal to another person. But the narrower your programming, the fewer results. The broader your program, the broader results, the greater results. And so when a church conducts systematic and ongoing multifaceted programs to make a positive difference in the community, it becomes a center of influence. Your church becomes a center. In other words, if your church closed down tomorrow, would the community miss it? Think about that. If your church closed down tomorrow, would the community miss it? Say, no, you, I've been helped. They helped me. I, I have diabetes and they've really helped me. I have uh, this problem or that problem and they've helped me. So you can't close down. You see? So your church can become a center of influence. Testimonies, Volume 7, page 62. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. The world is a laser house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. So even if some do have this prejudice feeling that they're thinking. I don't think the whole community, if we're really ministering to them, because there are many people that come to our programs that don't come into the church, but there are others like Patty who has come into the church and are great workers. And so um, we have to recognize that our church is to be a center of influence. And so we've come to a time when we need to have every person in the church. We may not get every person, but when at least many are uh, willing to work. Everywhere people are perishing for lack, for lack of a knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. So we need an, an awakening in the church to, to say to the church members, look, people are dying out there. I often think, Lord, help me just to help one person. It's like that lady that just came to me last night 
pleading with me, Mrs. Finley, can you tell me anything that I should do? Where should I go? I recommended a, a, a lifestyle center to her and a few other little things, and I don't have all the answers, but we can pray with people, we can help them, and we can have our church as a center of health and healing. That's what it needs to be. Our church needs to be a center of health and of healing. You see, the door of health is open now. There's no question about it. And now it's time to open the door of the church. <laughs> so the door of health is open, my friends, and now it's time to open the door of the church. The problem isn't that the door isn't open for people wanting something. The problem is, is that we don't open the doors wide to give them what they need. That's, that's what we need to be sharing and where we are. So let's move on because we have a few to cover here. Number two, health reveals a compassionate, loving God in a broken world. John 10.10 says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And they, Testimonies, Volume 7, page 25, they, workers, are God's witnesses, revealing his compassion and love and ascribing all the glory to him, whom they love and serve. They are God's witnesses revealing his compassion. Every time we give a hydrotherapy treatment, every time we give a nutrition class, every time we give a stress management class, we are giving glory to God. We really are because we're, we're saying, look, God is the one who can really heal you. God is the one who can really help you. He's the one that can change your life. And that's what we're really saying. And so we need to share spiritual principles naturally in each program. That's what this gentleman was talking about. We need to upfront. There are three simple ways to integrate health principles. One is the effectiveness of prayer and a blessing. Just a simple blessing that you have at the cooking school. The other is the power of spiritual illustrations, talking about bread and then you're the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And then the importance of a logical sequence program. When we're in our health programs, we actually share the logical sequence right there. We say to people at the end of the program, in fact, I have it in my book, uh, Light Your World for God. In the back, it's, uh, it has um, um, yours for the asking, it's called, yours for the asking. And then we say, would you like a copy of uh, Health and Healing Magazine? Just check that box. We're going to give you that as a free gift. They're coming to your program. We can invest something for these people, right, from the community. We'll give you that. Just check that box. Now, I know that many of you are already asking, when is the next stop smoking plan? If you have friends and you want them to come and you want another program, you just check that box and you know you've already been in your church lining up your sequence program so you know when that's going to be. Yes, we're having another one on April 10, you know, or whatever your date is. And then if you would like a, a nutri to come to a nutrition class, you've just enjoyed these nutrition classes, just check that box. And so we throw it out. You know what we did on that box, uh, on those boxes? We said, if you would like to, now many of you, some of you are seeking something spiritual in your life. And if you would like, you've been coming to these programs, you're welcome to come every night, night after night, uh, without any obligation. But if some of you would like to probe the spiritual a little more, 
then we're going to give you this series of lessons called Search for Certainty. And if you would like some Bible lessons that you can do in the privacy of your own home, and then Pastor Finley has a whole series, wonderful series of Bible studies that lay members can give or they can do in their home in the question and answer form called Search for Certainty, just check that box. We threw that out the first time that we ever did that. We had over 20 Bible studies and someone said, wow, I didn't think it would work at all. And we already got Bible studies, so you just throw it out, but you have logical. But I'll tell you, just a simple prayer or blessing makes a difference. My first cooking school that I ever did, now this wasn't it, but uh, the first cooking school I ever did in, uh, this was the one in Los Angeles, actually, that we did. But um, the first one that I ever did in uh, New England, we were just asked to go to this little church. It was Mark's first church after his internship. And it was one of those that the conference president said, Pastor, one church is dying, the other one is half dead, and the other one, well, we're not sure if it's even going to make it. And uh, we want to send some, you know, a young pastor and his wife. And so we thought, man, what are we going to do? Well, they said the good church, this one was, that was only half dead, you know, that was supposed to be the good church. Um, Mark prepared his sermon all week, and he, you know, still a manuscript writer, writes out all his sermons. And uh, you'd never know it because he preaches without a manuscript. But um, writes them all out, and he said, asked me to go down so he could preach his sermon to me and practice thought, you know, pictured in his mind, you know, this young preacher, he's going to have a, a whole church full because this was going to be his good church. And we went there the first Sabbath and he, the, on, the only one there was the deacon. And uh, he said, uh, kept looking out the window and then he said, Pastor, I sure hope somebody shows up today. And that was our introduction to our first church. So we said, okay, we need to do something about this. We started praying. And the Lord sent to us, we, we put a little ad in the paper, and we started Bible studies. We had 30 Bible studies going a week. And in addition to that, we said, why don't we do some health programs? Mark said, why don't we do some health programs? I said, I don't know how to do health programs. I'm a young preacher's wife. He said, well, a cooking school. You know, you, you, you do stuff in the home, and just show them what you do. I didn't know how to do this, and so I just, I, I just launched out and did it. I thought, this is a disaster. Oh, a dis total disaster. But a young girl, Joanne, came up to me one night, and she said, you know, I, 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 know, I noticed that you're having a blessing every night. She said, I, I know there must be some spiritual thing here because you have this blessing. She said, do you give Bible studies? And I said, well, yeah, we give Bible studies. She said, well, could we study? Could, could somebody study the Bible with us? We're kind of open. And I said, oh, yeah. So we started studying with Joanne. A few weeks later, her, uh, she said, my husband's a high school teacher in town, and he's never heard any of these things before. Do you think that he could join the studies? We started studying with Dave and Joanne. They were both baptized. Then they witnessed to his father and mother. We studied with them. They were baptized. We studied with his brother and his brother's wife, and they were baptized, six in that first cooking school. And I said to the Lord right then and there, this was in 1969, I said, Lord, if this is the way that you want us to win souls, then I will do this for the rest of my life. 
if that's what it takes. I know it's a lot of work and I don't know how to do it, but I will do it. And I made that commitment right there and I can tell you that every, almost, there may be a few that I miss, but every single campaign that we have had, I have done a cooking school or patty that came in because of our cooking school in Chicago and our pre-work did it in Chicago and we have done those and health programs in our in our ministry ever since so God will give you souls there's no question about it councils on health 528 we should ever remember that the efficiency of the medical missionary work is in pointing sin sick men and women to the man of Calvary who taketh away the sin of the world so we need to keep pointing them, my brother, to Jesus. There may be some people who are prejudiced. There may be some people who think that that's what the church is all about. But we're in, if we truly have a heart for helping people, no matter whether they accept or don't accept, they will soon get that message as well. They will soon get that message. But there are some. But by beholding him, they will be changed into his likeness. By beholding Jesus, they will be changed into his likeness. Okay, number three, health ministry is a God-ordained means of reducing suffering. There is so much suffering in our world today. People are suffering from many of these diseases, and they need help. They need our help. Medical ministry 239. Let's read it together. Medical missionary work brings to humanity the gospel of release from suffering. It is the pioneer work of the gospel. It's going to be bring release to people. It's the pioneer work of the gospel. Health ministry gives Seventh-day Adventists an opportunity to redu reduce disease in a broken world. It gives them an opportunity to reduce disease in a broken world. In North America, let's look at this, and many other European countries as well and Australia as well, around the world as well. I just did, we did a series in Singapore and cancer is the leading disease there in Singapore and heart disease is number two. Because of their diet, cancer is number one. And I realized that after being there, uh, it's amazing. But 70% of all deaths are due to heart disease, cancer and stroke, that's in this country and in many European countries as well. And believe me, these principles work even in Europe. I can tell you, I'm here to testify that um, we've had wonderful cooking schools and stress managements and, and health programs around the world. But heart disease is the number one killer in America. And according to the World Health Organization, a total of 17.1 million people worldwide die every year of heart problems, of heart problems. But, but this, my friends, many of them could be saved if better prevention programs were in effect. Many of them could be saved if many were programs were put in effect. And we have the opportunity to do it. And cancer is the number two killer. And it's growing. Cancer is growing. According to the World Health Organization, global cancer deaths are expected to reach 7 million. 7 million. By 230, there could be 75 million people with cancer worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. 75 million people with cancer. It is growing, and we need to help people uh, with diet because that's the biggest, one of the biggest factors. 
That's one of the biggest factors. And in 1960, there was one in 20 women in North America who developed breast cancer. In 1980, one in 11 women who developed breast cancer. And now, one in seven women will develop breast cancer. It is growing. It's on the rise. And that's why we have an obligation. We have a responsibility to help people in our churches. And osteoporosis is a growing problem as well. And I realize that there are hereditary factors involved. I'm a, I'm a living testimony of that. Osteoporosis hits white females, especially those who are small-boned, and especially those who have any hereditary factors. My mother had two hip fractures, and I am an osteoporotic patient. However, I'm here to tell you also that in this last year, I gained 10% bone mass. Gained 10% bone mass following these principles. But 75 million people in Europe, US, and Japan, that's why it's hitting Europeans, Americans, and Japanese. They're smaller, small-boned, and it's hitting white females. And it's hitting men, too, though. It's hitting men. It's, it's on the rise. And they are affected with osteoporosis. 75 million people in Europe, US, and Japan are affected with osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is estimated to affect 200 million people worldwide. That's another thing we can help. What about the obesity problem? In many countries, over 56% are overweight or obese. And we just, uh, I, I put here um, about one-third of U.S. adults, 33% are obese or over and young people, 17% of children and adolescents, 2 to 19, are obese. And we just got the figures from uh, just the other night, if you were here at the health program, that over 60%, about 61% are overweight in this country. About 61%. So obesity is a problem that we must deal with as well. Obesity increases the risk of diabetes. It increases the risk of high blood pressure. It increases the risk of high cholesterol, coronary heart disease, and stroke. So we can help people with this obesity problem. And uh, this is something that we need to tackle in our churches. In the Western world, statistics indicate that the leading causes of death are preventable. They're preventable. These are preventable, my, my friends. And Seventh-day Adventists have the unique opportunity of making in, a difference in the lives of millions. They can make a difference. So in health ministry, we cooperate with God in restoring people's health. That's what we're doing. We're cooperating with God in restoring their health. And number four, health ministry enables people to live a longer, happier life. We can help them live a longer, happier life. God has given Seventh-day Adventists unusual insights into health through the gift of prophecy. Through the gift of prophecy, God has revealed the benefits of lifestyle practices. So we have councils on health, councils on diets and foods, ministry of healing, all of these things that we have inside information on. That's why I never worry when I'm up at a cooking school about whether I, I just go back and make sure it's in the spirit of prophecy. I don't need to reference it that way, 
but I just go back and make sure that it, I'm clear, and if I am, that's why I could say with un, unequivocally last night, in fruits, nuts, grains, and vegetables are found all the elements we need for good health, because that's a direct quote from the spirit of prophecy. And so I know, I can't tell you why or what the statistics are gonna be in the future, even on B12 and all the rest. We encourage people, if they're vegan vegetarians, to possibly occasionally get a B12 pill, you know, or something, so that, or at least get a test for B12. I've been tested several times. I'm a vegan vegetarian. My husband is, has been for years. We just had our B12 uh, tested and we're very high. So I can't, I can't tell you all the things that are out there on the scientific, but someday they're gonna find in fruits, nuts, grains, and vegetables are all the elements we need for good health because that's what we're told. And we have that enlightenment, medical enlightenment, a century in advance. And what are the remedies? What are the true remedies for health? They're right here, Ministry of Healing 127. This is a key, so let's read it together. Pure, Pure air, air, sunlight, abstemiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power, these are the true remedies. These are the remedies for disease. Ellen White says that you, uh, many times the medication is worse than the disease because it's the medication that sometimes kills us. Now, I'm not saying we should never have medication. I believe in the medical work. I believe in physicians. I have two physicians in my family, and I believe in physicians. Mm -hmm. And we need physicians, and there are times when we need medication. My husband, as you know, or might know because he's not walking quite as fast, just had uh, a knee replacement surgery. When we, were in South, when we were in Zimbabwe, he fell and tripped, and, and he tore his meniscus. And then from there, the cartilage started breaking away. And then pretty soon, it was bone on bone, and he had to have a whole knee replacement. He had to have some medication during that time. But I can tell you, because he never takes medication, he also had some bad reactions to medication and had to cut down on the medication and endure some of the pain, but, uh, and he got off it much more quickly than the average person as well. Because what are the true remedies? These are the true remedies. Pure air, sunlight, being temperate in all things, abstemiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, and the use of water. This is what we need to be teaching people in our churches, this is it. And we have the opportunity of helping people live a longer, healthier life by making right lifestyle choices, by teaching classes on the benefits of a plant-based diet. Some people are teaching them vegetarianism, but not total vegetarianism. They're teaching them how to eat with milk and eggs and cheese. And the problem with that, my friends, is that it's, um, Cancer is growing as a result of that even among our own people because, first of all, the reason one of the uh, factors in cancer growing among Seventh-day Adventists is that over 50% are not even vegetarians. And Loma Linda has done studies that has shown that we can live an extra 8 to 10 years if you're a vegetarian, a vegan vegetarian, and eating a plant-based foods reduces the risk of heart disease and adult diabetes and high blood pressure and all these things. But when we eat meat, 
it's going to increase, she says, as much as tenfold. We increase our risk of cancer by tenfold, ten times when we eat meat. And then she says, Councils on Health 115, many die of diseases wholly due to meat eating when the real cause is scarcely suspected by themselves or others. They don't even know it. And yet, look, we don't have to present the negative at all. If you've been coming to the nightly meetings and you see even last night on vegetarianism, we showed all the wonderful things that you can eat as a vegetarian. We're not presenting anything on the negativism. We're showing the benefits, the advantages, and all the variety that you can have. And we'll do that again tonight on meal balancing. But the real cause of many of these deaths is meat eating. And yet even in our churches we have people who are not vegetarians. And then we're not teaching them the whole message of really getting onto a plant-based diet, which is really uh, the important thing. Because if you read Dr. Natalie's book, Proof Positive, page 29, it says, lung cancer, let's read it together, lung cancer, colon cancer, and cancers of the pancreas, liver, kidney, and womb have been linked to a more liberal intake of meat specifically or animal products in general. Cancer is, is definitely linked. There's no question. And I know that because the Spirit of Prophecy says that we increase our chances of cancer by tenfold. She calls it tenfold. By tenfold if we're eating meat. And so we need to teach not only our own people, but the community, how they can get off some of these things. And even Dr. Ernest Winder, MD, president of the American Health Foundation said, 60% of female cancers and 50% of all male cancers in Western society are directly related to overnutrition most of the time that's meat eating, overnutrition. You're not going to overeat on some apples or some carrots usually. Overnutrition on fats and sweets and, and, and meats and all of that, particularly to the high intake of fats, grease, and oil. And so the, the scientific evidence is out there, my friends. It's out there. And yet Councils on Diets and Foods 363 says in grains, fruit, vegetables and nuts are to be found all the food elements that we need. There's that statement right there. In grains and fruit and nuts and vegetables are to be found all the food elements that we need. So we have all the food elements we need in what God has given us in a plant-based diet. And number four, health ministry enables people to, so health ministry enables people to live longer, healthier, lives. And number five, health ministry breaks down prejudice and builds relationship. I want to tell you about um, our experience in Poland because this is exciting. When we were in the trans-European division from 1985 to 1990, our people in Poland wanted, we had three communist countries, Poland, Yugoslavia, and Hungary. They wanted us to come to Poland, but the government did not give us permission, and we said, we cannot go. And so they said, but pastor, we want you to come and hold an evangelistic series. But we said, we, unless the government gives us permission, we can't go. But they said, pastor, we know how to pray. And they started praying. And they started praying and praying for this. 
And so we got a call from our leaders that said, please come because we have an appointment for you to meet with government officials. I happened to go with my husband on that visit. We met with the government officials and they said to him, Mr. Finley, they never called him Pastor Finley. <laughs> Mr. Finley, I have a question for you. Tell me, what do you think you can do for our city? What do you think you could do for the city of Gdańsk, Poland? It's a troubled city. It's the center of the solidarity movement. And, and Pastor, uh, no, Mr. Finley, what do you think you could do? And he said, well, sir, could I ask you a question? Do you have heart disease here? Yes. Do you have smokers here with lung cancer? And, and some people have lung cancer? Yes. Um, what about stress? Do you have any stress over here? In my country, they have lots of stress. He said, yes. He said, well, what if we could come over and hold, conduct some stop smoking plans, that we could conduct some um, nutrition classes. Now then he was going to count on me. I don't, how do I do a, a cooking school in Poland? I don't know anything about you know, that, but you learn. you know. And so um, he said, we'll hold some nutrition classes, help people with their high cholesterol, and, and uh, uh, try to reduce their stress, get them off smoking. And they said, well, Mr. Finley, if you could do that, you, we, you have our permission. So we went over there, and we started working with our leaders in Gdańsk, Poland. And so, wow, people were responding. We had hundreds of people that were coming out to our stop smoking plans, and, and, and they were marching through the street with this. We had this one great big fake cigarette. We were marking, marching through the street, and then they were throwing all their cigarettes into, into uh, this container. Everybody was going down, and they were throwing away. We had all kinds of things that we were doing. And then we were doing nutrition classes. Oh, I thought, how do I ever do this? Well, I got to learn to un-Americanize it and make it Polish. And so uh, you go down to the markets, and you learn what to do, and you, and you do it. And, uh, uh, several people, I don't even know, a few hundred people came out. And so we started doing all these things. And then we taught the few church members that we had how to do Daniel and Bible studies and these programs, health programs. Pretty soon we got a call from the, gov uh, from the leaders that said, the government leaders want to see you. Come back into the office. So we flew over to Poland. We were living in England at the time. And uh, we went to Poland. This was in 1987, and it's still under communism before the wall fell in 1989. And they said, Mr. Finley, we're getting word all over this city that uh, health is improving, crime is going down, we have all kinds of requests. And so he said, I'm going to give you a blank piece of paper, and you can do anything you want in this city. And so he said, well, sir, I would like to hold a series of Bible lectures in your Leningrad theater. Well, he had just given us a blank piece of paper. <laughs> and so he said, um, well, yes, I did tell you that you could do anything, didn't I? And so uh, they gave us permission. We wondered what would happen. Now we had to work. We worked in health programs, believe me. And I'm here to tell you, we had only approximately 60 Seventh-day Adventists in that town. 60, six, zero. They worked, but they prayed. Some of those people prayed all night. 
They had all night vigils, people on the different hour, you know, one person playing at two o'clock, one three o'clock, all around the clock. They had vigils, they were working, health programs, uh, uh, they had Bible studies going. We taught them how to do Daniel. We taught them how to do all these things and they had all this going. And now it was time for us to have our opening evangelistic meeting. How in the world are we gonna fill a 1,200 seat auditorium in Gdańsk, Poland with 60 <laughs> members? You have to have a lot of praying going on and a lot of faith because you're not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. Only God is gonna do it. And I'll tell you, we did a lot of praying and a lot of working. We didn't only pray, we prayed and worked. And then it was time for that opening meeting and we had our signs, our posters. We plastered them all through that city. Nova Zecchi, it was called New Life because New Life could be health, New Life could be the evangelistic meetings and so it was Nova Zecchi, New Life in Polish. And it was plastered on every train, on every trolley, on every tree all around there. And what would happen on opening night? They were lined up down the street. And when the doors opened and that turnstile, they went through that turnstile, they rushed into that meeting. And you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. That auditorium was packed. And then there were hundreds of people standing outside. Hundreds. You think that sequence evangelism works? I can tell you it works in hard places. Poland is not easy. 95% Catholic and communist. And I mean, it was tough. And yet, God blessed that series of meetings and they said, came running to Pastor Finley, what should we do? Hundreds of people are standing outside. Go to the authorities and ask them if we can have a second session. They did. They went out to the people and said, if you'll wait another hour and a half to two hours, you can come into a second session. They came rushing in. Uh, uh, rushing out and rushing into that second session, but when they, Usher, went out to see the person that was standing, uh, the people that were standing outside that door, one man was waving his zelates, his Polish money, and he said, please, please, I'll give two weeks wages if you'll let us into these meetings. Don't deny us now. We've been denied the gospel for 40 years. Please let us into these meetings. They came into that meeting. God blessed that meeting. Scores of people were studied with, baptized. That led to our meetings in Hungary. That led to our meetings in Yugoslavia. That led to our meetings in the Plahani University in Moscow, Russia. That led to our meetings in the Kremlin with over 13,000 coming every night in the Kremlin Auditorium. Can you imagine one of the most beautiful government buildings in the world, the Kremlin, and Mark preached the three angels message two times. It seats 6,500 people and every seat was taken. Never was there a seat empty because they had to pay for the seats. And when they started, they were, it was a doable for the Russians. They were paying a, what would be equivalent from the ruble to the dollar, one dollar. Three days before our evangelistic meetings, they were paying what was equivalent to $1,000 because the scalpers were buying them up and selling them. And it was unbelievable, but people came. They sold whatever they could sell to get to those meetings. And never was there a seat empty. And that led to the Olympic Stadium meeting where we had 18,000 people coming. And this year, that was in 91, 92, and 93 in Moscow. And this year, this coming year in the fall, we will be going to, um, back to Russia for our 20th anniversary. 
from, from there. And that led also to an amazing... Yes, we presented health as well. We present health in, in the meetings. In fact, in the Kremlin, we brought a whole team from Loma Linda. We had a health expo set up. People could come every night. We had physicians and doctors giving health lectures. And, we had, and then that, my friends, led to this most exciting experience where we had, we were gonna satellite all over the entire 11 time zones in the Soviet Union here in the, uh, in the cultural center in Kiev. And this was the cultural center in Kiev where Mark and Peter Kulikov stood and preached the three angels message. And I can tell you something, in the 1950s, Nikita Khrushchev stood on these same boards, these same boards, and stood up and said, in 25 years, there'll never be one Christian left. There'll never be one, oh, <laughs> he chuckled and laughed. Yes, there'll be one, because when he dies, we'll stuff him and put him in a museum in Moscow so that people can remember what a Christian looked like. Well, I'm here to tell you that my husband and Peter Kulikov stood on those same boards and preached the entire three, three angels message across the 11 time zones of Russia. And uh, it was incredible. And thousands baptized, thousands baptized. So it opens doors, my friends. It opens doors. And health ministry, I, I'm so excited about what God is doing with the health message because and every night we had health lectures in those meetings. Every day we had a health expo. We had a Loma, team of doctors with us. We had Loma Linda team with us. We, had, we were giving blood pressures. We were taking uh, blood samples. We were doing all because we had a team of professionals with us as well. And so it was amazing. Health ministry really works. Yes, Patty. Yes. Oh, that's another whole meeting that I could tell you. It's just amazing. I mean, it was amazing what happened there. We had a lot of opposition, but in spite of the opposition, God blessed. I mean, from, from them burning down our signs to uh, putting glass in our baptismal pool to uh, all kinds of things, for them marching with a with a, a Mark's picture in a black frame around the city, all kinds of various uh, oppositions. But you can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth, and God blessed. And so it is a miracle what God is doing. And we're going back there again this year. They're excited about us coming back, 20-year anniversary. That was in 91, 92, and 93. And we grew from one church in Moscow at that time to now 13 churches in Moscow, one city. Amen. It's amazing. And so he's going to preach again. No, we, never before has anybody been able to preach in the Kremlin, and never again. We're having a public auditorium, but it was a miracle because God opened the Kremlin at that time. It was just a miracle, a miracle. Health ministry provides, we got two more. Health ministry provides unique opportunity to integrate the physical, the mental, the emotional, and spiritual dimensions of life. As their prejudice is broken down, we also have the opportunity of imparting their life, imparting, imp impacting their lives spiritually. We can impact their lives 
spiritually as we break down these prejudices. And that's what happened in these countries. It's happening all over. We present health wherever we go. And um, that's part of the message. And when we help people physically, they become open spiritually. Evangelism 513, nothing will open doors for the truth like evangelistic medical missionary work. Nothing will open doors like that. And Patty, I just have to tell Patty's story. Patty came to our cooking school in Chicago. She's sitting right here today. She came to some of our, uh, Dan. I think you came to the Daniel as well, came to our Daniel. She then came to our evangelistic meetings. Patty was baptized and now she's conducting cooking schools. She's also uh, the director of, uh, pre uh, of uh, Country Life and a worker for God. And she's sitting right here. I didn't know she was coming to my class here today. But uh, I, I, I love Patty. She's one of our uh, converts from health ministry and health evangelism. So right here before you. The Savior made each work of healing an occasion for implementing divine principles in mind and soul. Ministry of Healing, page 20. The Savior made each work of healing an occasion for implanting divine principles. This was the purpose of his work. This was the purpose of Jesus' work. It needs to be the purpose of our work. And then the last one today. Health ministry is part of the three angels' message and prepares the mind to receive the gospel message in the coming of the Lord. That's what it is. So why should we hold health programs? Because we want to get people into eternity, right? Amen. We want to get them living with Jesus. Testimonies, volume 7, page 59. As the right hand of the third angel's message, God's methods of treating disease will open doors for the entrance of present truth. It's going to open doors that you never saw before. You start doing this and you'll see door after door. We saw those doors open. I'll tell you, we saw the doors open even in Europe. They told me when we went to Copenhagen, Denmark, you can't do a cooking school here because it won't work. You won't get a dozen people. I thought, well, why don't we just try it and see what happens? If we get a dozen, that's a dozen more than we'd have if we didn't do it. So let's try it. Well, I said, I'll make it Danish. Don't worry, it won't be Americanized. We'll go down and try to do it as Danish as we can. And we went down and I got some of the local people to help me. And we had a double header, try a double header cooking school. Mm. Double header cooking school, people in and out because the auditorium sat 60 and we had 120. 120 in Copenhagen, Denmark. I'm telling you, this works. It is the Lord's design that the restoring influence of health reform shall be a part of the last great effort to proclaim the gospel message, Ministry of Healing 259. We're to, this is to be a part of the last great effort to proclaim the gospel message. So let's review as we close today. Let's review all the reasons together why we should have health programming. Number one, let's read. Health ministry provides a great opportunity for Seventh-day Adventists to impact a world open to the health message. Health ministry, number two, health ministry reveals a compassionate, loving God in a broken world. Number three, health ministry is a God-ordained means of reducing suffering. Number four, Health ministry enables people to live longer, happier lives. Number five, health ministry breaks down prejudice and builds relationships. Number six, 
Health ministry provides unique opportunity to integrate the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual dimensions of life. And number seven, health ministry is a part of the three angels' message and prepares the mind to receive the gospel message and the coming of the Lord. You see, people are wanting a good insurance plan today, but I present to you God's health assurance plan. God has a health assurance plan, and if we follow that, my friends, if we follow that, there's no question about it that God is going to bless you in your health ministry. You know what we need to do is we need to just take the motto, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. And so I pray that God will bless you as you just do it. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.